0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together.
1: Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is still to come. That song is amazing because of uh, Revelation four, eight, and, and in light of eternity, uh, the reason that, that holy is used three times is because that's the significance of it. Instead of saying very, 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 very holy, it's just you say it once and that means you know holy, and then you say it twice and it means even holier, and then you say it three times and it means holiest, Um Holy, holy, holy. And so yeah, um, thank you uh, to the worship band uh, truly love Sundays as we get in the mood. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Brian Gustafson. I'm the youth pastor here at Glasgow Evangelical Church. Um, I spoke last Sunday, and then I, I warned you all not to be here because I was going to speak again this Sunday. Some of you didn't listen, or you weren't here last Sunday. <laughs> and so uh, this is the idea, fostering, fostering love. Two weeks um, to go through this. And, and the first thing I want to do is uh, let you know that this sermon is one that I've wanted to, to speak on for years. Um, it's something I've wanted to share with the entire church body, um, my complete heart. And so it's, it's been difficult to narrow this down to the verses and phrases and things that I've, I've felt God speaking to me over the last several years of uh, being a pastor And so um, the idea is with two weeks is the first week, last week was was teaching us how to receive God's love, understanding how to receive God's love. And so we have the the summary from last week. I have a slide for that. Um, And and the summary for last week is there's nothing in us that uh, there is nothing in you or me to draw God to us. There's no reason for God to create us and then seek us. There's no reason for that. There's nothing holy in us. We are sinners. And so we get to our next point. Our sin is us. And I, I showed an example of grabbing a bottle that I set on the, the piano. And a lot of times when we have sin, and it doesn't have to be alcohol, um, there's, there's many sins. And I'll let God decide what those are in your life. But a lot of times we think of it as something that, that we do that's not us. We do our sin every once in a while. God forgives us for this thing. But Jesus didn't die on the cross to forgive us of this thing. He forgave us. Our sin is us. Um, and then uh, when we understand our sin, we understand our salvation. If we can understand our sin and what God actually did, and the, the analogy that we used in that was um, when, when sometimes somebody says, sorry, and it's like, oh, sorry, and then they go and do that same thing again. Um, or if uh, you, you don't know, if you did something and you don't know that, that that someone needs to forgive you for that. Until you understand that they need to forgive you, you don't really understand how much they're forgiving. And I know that's kind of difficult, but, but until they know, or you know, how much you're being forgiven, it's just kind of a thing. And so I don't want us to go through our relationship with Christ as it's just this thing, like sin is in us, and once we understand our sin, we can understand our salvation. And what that is, is we, um, we looked at John three and the story of Nicodemus, or Nick as I said, and Nick came up uh, to Jesus and asked, you know, what do I need to do to get to, to heaven? And Jesus says, um, uh, the next point here, um, be born of water and spirit. Uh, and so then we broke that down, in water and spirit, uh, when we do baptism on January 20th, we'll have a big trough up here, and, and we'll put somebody in it. It'll be warm, hopefully, and we'll, we'll bring them down and raise them up just as Christ died for our sins and rose again. Um, that's the, the signification, signifying what we're doing with, with baptism. It's a symbol of, of being washed, of being forgiven, of of repentance in our life, understanding our sin is us, and then understanding our salvation and becoming a part of the church body that all does this same thing. And so that's what all of that means. And so it's to be reborn, and let's not overuse this, this word, but uh, to repent. And then uh, the next step is to follow the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, those those things there, follow the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to God. Um, and, and that's kind of get to where we're going to be today. We have Acts 1-8. I wanted to to have this verse up. This was from last week. I wanted to um, um, re-look at this one. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The reason this is significant is because it's Jesus' famous last words. It's the last thing he says before ascending to heaven. Um, the, the red letters in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. You have a father, and that guarantee is in the Holy Spirit. And we looked through a bunch of verses also that showed us the, the Holy Spirit is our seal, into heaven. It's our proof that we are saved. Um, and so that's, that's where we got all last week. I tried to bottle it all up into that little bit right there. If you were here, that's all a refresher. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen. We have a podcast. Um, and so I, I want to do all that. And then this week, um, we're going to talk about reflecting God's love. And there's a couple things, again, I tried to cut this down a little bit. Um, We've all heard that we were made in God's image. In in Genesis, um, uh, we are made in God's image. And so then when we talk about reflecting, we think of mirrors, and there's other verses in the Bible that talk about this as well. But when we reflect God, we look like God. We aren't God. The, the reflection is not the thing. It's just a reflection of the thing. It, it looks like the thing, whatever is being reflected in the mirror. And so by following the Holy Spirit, we, we follow God, we mirror God. Um, and so then I have another slide, and I know I'm going really quick. I'm gonna explain in just a second. I'm going really quick, but this is the first note already in the back of the bulletin. First note um, is showing God love, showing God's love to someone. Reflecting God's love is not quick, It is not easy, and it's not shallow. Showing God's love to someone is not quick, it is not easy, and it is not shallow. Now, we've been... um trained in the church to, to, to think even about like people knocking on doors and, and evangelizing and going on short-term missions and, and talking to people in grocery stores and, and things like that. And so I'm not saying that you can't share God's love in a moment and, and be part of that watering process, but when we're in relationship with people, it's not something that's, that's quick. It's not just one little discussion or anything like that. It's not easy. This is actually something that is hard. It is difficult. We actually could not do it aside from the power of God. We are powerless to do this, and it's not shallow. This is something that is deep. What we will talk, today, talk about today is not a rule. I am not giving us another rule to follow in God's commands. We went through uh, the story in, in Deuteronomy of being at Mount Sinai and bringing down the Ten Commandments, and, and we went through all of that last week. Those were rules. Those were ways that we could, we could earn our way to heaven, and those didn't work. That's why we have two parts of the Bible. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so the New Testament is after Jesus, the, the rules go out the window, and what we start doing is rather than trying to do these steps and lists of things, we just enter into a relationship with Christ, we follow the Holy Spirit, and we fail at it constantly. <laughs> and so that's, that's what we do. But rather than following rules and say, you broke this rule, you broke that rule, you listen to God, and he says, oh, don't do that, let's do this, don't do that, let's do this, let's be guided by the Holy Spirit. Whew. So, it's not a rule, it's not a law, it's not a decree, it's a result. It's what happens when we receive his love. What we'll be talking about today is a result. So, I want to pray. Now that we've gotten a lot of fast words out, I hope you kept up. Um, Quick, easy, and shallow, if you didn't get those. Quick, easy, and shallow. Let's pray. Lord... um, move me out of the way. My desire, my selfishness, my imperfectness, Lord, move me out of the way. Secondly, move us out of the way. Our desires, our intentions, um, our pre-existing conditions, Lord, may those all get moved out of the way today as we dive into your word, as we unpack your word, as we put it together and, and, and formulate a, a plan, an idea. Um, Lord, may we honestly re- reflect on ourselves. May you open up our hearts, our, our minds, our ears, our eyes to your message. And uh, Lord, thank you so much for a team that comes together to, to, to work on Sundays, to, to be able to, to worship you, to lift you up, and, and to celebrate you um, every Sunday. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to do something uh, a little bit different. And, and this came to me as we were worshiping, and so I'm not fully prepared for it, but um, I'd, I'd like to pray again. But I'm gonna say some words, and if you want to, you can repeat after me. And so I, I want us to look at this Sunday slightly different. I want us to, to absorb God's Word. I want us to get rid of these ideas that we have in our head that, that we know Christ, that we know how to follow Jesus. I want us to. To be open. I want us to be open today. And so what I'm going to say is, Lord, may I be your hands and feet. And, and if you want to do that, you can, you can repeat after me and say, Lord, I want to be your hands and feet in just a minute. And, and Lord, Lord, open up my heart. And so join me. Lord, we're going to, we're going to pray again but I want us all to, to be involved and active and, and, and moving in this. And, and Lord, may you in, engage us. And so um, if you are willing to, to repeat these words after me and take the chance that God might actually do something that, that we're praying about, um, that's a dangerous thing, but um, repeat after me. Lord, help me be the hands and feet. Lord, move my heart. In your holy name, we pray. Amen. And so, I wanted to cut a bunch out, and you can see my notes here. I've got a couple pages of them, but I just wrote "fast" on the top, and that's not Amy's last name. That's just the how fast I need to go to get through uh, a bunch of slides and, and some information um, as, as we move through this. And so, I know I'm talking fast, but I actually, I actually feel differently than Seth. I think you all are smart. <laughs> that wasn't written down. That was a joke that just came to me there. Um, no. um, and so, and so I, it, if I move a little too fast, I apologize, but, but this, is, this is all in my heart. I also want to be completely honest. Um, this, is, this is a plagiarized sermon. I got everything that I'm going to be telling to you has come to me through here. We're going to go through a lot of verses but I'm really trying to move myself out of the way. And so we're gonna go all the way back to Deuteronomy again. And as I said, Deuteronomy is a repeat of Exodus. Um, not, not word for word, but, but uh, where we find it in, in Deuteronomy 9 and 10, 9 was last week, 10 is this week, um, is, is Moses repeating the story of what happened in the Exodus. And they went to Mount Sinai, and they built a golden calf, and then Moses um, gives us a picture of Jesus as he takes this sin, this thing, and tries to get rid of it. Rather than the 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 sin that is them, he gets rid of the thing. And that's often what we do: is we get rid of the beer, we stop buying it. We get rid of the the. We get an app on our phone that helps us not go to the wrong places. We stop working with someone because they, um, you know, are, are damaging to us. We try to get rid of this thing rather than, than we get rid of the symptom rather than the problem. And so that's what he does: um, is is he burns down this calf, he melts it. He grinds it up and he throws it in the stream and gets rid of this sin, this thing. Um, and, and it's almost a, a, a picture of Jesus, but, but Jesus is a little bit different. But this, that's what Moses is doing here. And then we get to 10, uh, starting in verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth, everything in it, belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evidenced today. Therefore change your hearts and stop being stubborn, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no... Partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship Him and cling to Him. Your oaths must be in His name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. When your ancestors went down into Egypt, they were only. There were only 70 of them, but now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so the first thing is actually not in these verses, but it's leading up to these verses. It's it's pretty early in the Bible when we get to Moses, but we have Adam and Eve, Um, we have Cain and Abel we have the Tower of Babel we have Noah we have Abraham and Isaac and Lot and we have all of the stuff that's happened before here and so just think about how long it takes just to get to Moses and the exodus right like like time and then since then how much time has elapsed until we get to Jesus and years of silence and and all of these other amazing stories that go on into the kings and and David and Goliath and That brings us to our next slide. Real love takes time. Real love takes time. So when showing God's love to someone, or reflecting God's love is not quick. Real love takes time. And so then at the same point in the story, We've we've I I gave some examples, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and um, Abraham and Lot and and all of these these stories, Noah, and and we get these stories of grace and forgiveness. We get these stories of God forgiving again and again and again. Um, and so the next slide. Real love shows grace and forgiveness. We're going through the notes fast. You're like, wow, this sermon is almost done. We're almost at the end of the notes. I like it when Brian talks fast. Man, we're almost done. And then we have uh, verses 14 and 15. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. And this is something that, that I could get stuck on for a really long time. I get stuck on love all of the time um, because it is the key to this book. It is the key to your life. It is the key to eternity. And understand that God is making a choice. There's nothing in us that draws him to us. There's nothing desirable about us. We don't help God. He doesn't need our help. All of eternity would be just fine without any humans. Imagine if it was just unicorns. Wouldn't it be so much better? This' in my view, you know like God could just make stuff that just worshiped Him. He has that ability. but He gives us us, and He has the choice to love us. And He chose before He created to love you. And then it's, it's our key to then choose to love him. And, and my, my dad, when, when um, my parents got a divorce when I was 13, we were living in Aiken, South Carolina, and I remember walking in and my parents were crying and I thought my grandma died. I think that's the first thing that any kid thinks. If your parents are crying, someone's dead, probably grandma and, and, and they said, just go back outside and play. And then we came back inside. Um, after the, the streetlights had gone out, we were still outside. This was very confusing for us. And we, we go back inside um, when my dad says, come in. And we all sit down at the, the table. And, and my dad said, I fell out of love with your mother. And now the, the phrase that pops into my head is, who put you on stairs? Like, love isn't something we fall out of. Love is something we stop choosing. And I know that I might be speaking to some people right now that have been through divorce and we're not gonna, like I said, I could talk about this for ages without any notes. I I am not criticizing any choices that you have made in your life. If you are thinking about moments in your life where you've fallen out of love with someone right now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's not what I'm trying to do. But love is a choice and it's something that we, we choose every morning. And so during this time in Deuteronomy 10, um, we, we have the church as, as this, this tent. It's a, it's a tabernacle, as they call it, and they, they move it with them wherever they go. Um, and then we get later on, and, and it becomes uh, this place of worship that's a, that's a building. And what I want to point out to us um, right now is that Jesus changed that. You guys are not sitting in a church right now. You're sitting in a building. We've labeled it a church, wrongly, but this is a building. Many things get used here. FDMH uses it to, to do classes. Um, people use it for baby showers. We have tournaments that go on in our gym. Um, Seth and I sometimes come in here and we jam out to worship music. Um, this is not a church, this is not a tabernacle. If it was, we were doing, were doing things really wrong inside here. We need a place that's holiest of holies and we need to have a high priest that's gonna go into there and atone for our sins and we should be coming here daily no, what Christ did was make us the church. We are the church. It's not a place you go. It is you. Ephesians 1.23. One of my favorite books in the Bible. I don't think we're allowed to have favorites. I think books of the Bible are supposed to be like kids and you don't have any favorites. Um, but Ephesians 1.23. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. You are the church. The church is not a place we go on Sundays. The church is not a place where we repent from our sins. The church is not a place where, where it, it's, not a, it's not a Bible study, it's not a, a, a potluck, it's not a Super Bowl party. You are the church. That's why we can have a Super Bowl party here is because this is not a church. You are the church. So, when you're at the gas station, that's where church is. When you wake up in the morning, that's where church is. When you're in the shower, church is in the shower. When you're at school, you are the church. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So we just like move right down. 23 is the last verse in chapter 1, and then we get right into chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He has the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from dead, from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Oh, there's so much in there. Highlight that. Underline the whole thing. Read through it all week long. Every morning you wake up, read chapter two. this, This... this, this whole thing just flows perfectly with what we were saying. It goes through the, the, wh- how we were dead in our sins, and then we must understand our sin, and then there's nothing in us that, that draws us to God, but God chose us, and it's his grace that saved you. And so there's nothing that you can boast about. Just understand that you are exactly like God wanted you to be. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew. You have been reborn. You are a new creation, not with a stony heart, but a soft heart, ready to work for things that he planned for you long ago. And by long ago, he means at the very beginning. He planned for you to be the church. You. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna change that. Me. He planned for me, Brian, to be the church. He planned for you to be the church. Romans 12, 5. We're we'll going quick. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so does Christ's body, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. We belong together. We belong together to, to, to take time. If you look at the back of your bulletin, we belong together to take time with each other, to show grace to each other, to forgive each other, and to choose to love each other. We belong together so that we can, we can not do this quick, but we can take our time, that we can not do something easy, but argue with each other and, and be mad at each other and take time to go deeper and not be shallow, but be honest with each other. Okay, we're gonna go back to Ephesians. Ephesians. Verses 19 through 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer spiritual orphans but we have been adopted into God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. What if we, what if we lived as if we were the church? How different would Glasgow be? If, if, if we understood that the church wasn't this place that we went on, on Sundays, and if you are really holy, Wednesdays, and if you're even more holy, Bible studies, and if you're even more of a Christian, maybe something else you do. I don't know what else you might be doing. If you're sneaking into my office and leaving me candy, please don't stop. (laughs) But the next slide is a little harder for us to to swallow, and it's the the first point underneath our our fill-ins on the back. The church has, over time, allowed other services to provide a worldly substitute for our duties. We have Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, Social Security, homeless shelters, food banks, CPS. These are actually things now, if you have a discussion with someone that is very Christian, these are actually services that we're not supposed to help because they're governmentally funded. The government funds those. The church doesn't need to put time and effort and money into those things because they're government funded. No, they are actually what we're called to do. We're called to help. We're, we're called to to feed people. We are called to visit them in the hospital and pay their bills. And I have so many verses that show examples of Jesus saying this, of Moses saying this, of 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 every prophet in here telling us that we're supposed to take care of those that are that are in need, that are less than us, because God has given us this gift, this gift of life, this gift of love, this gift of grace and forgiveness, and we understand it, and we know that this world is not where we're stuck at, and so we're just going to give everything that we have to helping those that are least than us so that, so that they, they too can then understand eternity. Medicare, welfare, Social Security, homeless shelters, food banks, food stamps, CPS. This is our government showing God's love. And what I wanna be clear on is I'm not saying anything bad about those services. There are many people that I I love and care about that that work for those services, that are part of those services and give their life to those services. There are many people that are supported by those services and I don't want you to feel bad if you are supported by those services. The government has done what they've needed to do when we haven't stepped up as the church. But it's missing one thing. It's actually, is specifically, purposely missing God's love. We allow the government to take care of those less than us and in need knowing that we have a separation of church and state. We just allow it. Sometimes we go days without even thinking about the government doing those things for us so that we can carry on with our lives. This is not reflecting God's love. And so the next slide might be even harder. The church is in danger of becoming a social club and irrelevant. Because even now, as I've pointed out, the church is not this building, we automatically then think back to the church again when we read this phrase, and so this building is in danger of becoming a social club and irrelevant. But no, we are in danger of only being parts of social clubs, and we're in danger of being irrelevant. We are. When the activities that we do are, are, are merely for our sinful desires, and so we know clearly with all of these verses that we've gone over and how fast that we've gone through all of this stuff, that, that God calls us to follow him firstly, to understand our sin so that we can understand our salvation, and then we must reflect his love. We must then go on. If, and again, this is not a rule. This is not, this is just the natural progression that when you understand that you have been forgiven for all eternity, what will happen? So let's go to, to Mark chapter 9. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? They didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf (sighs) welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. This is all over the Bible. This is just one example I'm giving out of Mark. What we do as a church in a building is argue about who is the greatest. But Jesus, the red letters in this, in verse 35, whoever wants to be first must take last place and must be the servant of everyone else. Do we, do we live our lives like that? Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me not only, not only welcomes me but also my father who sent me. Let's go all the way back to Deuteronomy again. I skipped over one little section on purpose. But at the end of the, the, the verses that I read in Deuteronomy, when we were in 12 through 22, um, right smack in the middle, we have verse, verse 18 here. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. So if we're to to reflect God's love, verse 18, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you, gives them food and clothing. I saw a post this morning on Facebook that said that heaven is gated and walled with a strict entrance, whatever, and hell has no borders. We should build a wall in Mexico. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Do with that it. What you must. I want to see this body of Christ. I want to see this church change Montana. Change the world. Change the United States. Change Valley County. Change Glasgow. And we can't do it aside from the Holy Spirit. And so the this this next slide I have. We will no longer stand by and let the world give false examples of love. There are 438,000 children in foster care in the United States. There are 4,000 children in Montana. There's 38 children in Valley County. I think we have that as a slide. It's 38 children in Valley County in, in foster care. You can you can pull out your insert if you'd like to because I tricked you all. The notes weren't just on the back. We also have an insert, and so you'll you'll see this side here that has little splotches on it. That's that's what the the slides are also. But there's 38 children in Valley County that are in foster care. There's actually 19 homes in Valley County that that are foster homes, but a few of those are are uh, what's called kinship, which means that. Um, when someone needs foster care, they call up aunts and uncles and grandparents and, and relatives. And then if they say yes, they then become a foster home. And they, they take in their niece or nephew or, you know, grandchildren. Um, but usually those homes, after those children no longer need care, are no longer foster homes. They're only kinship, just kinship foster care. Other ones are adoption only, or they, they will only take in um, foster children that that are ready for adoption. Other ones, um, like like myself, my my wife and I, we we, at this time will only take in um, girls. uh, I don't have to explain all this, but we we have a seven year old daughter. And so to take in boys causes some dilemmas with us that we don't want to put our our seven year old in any kind of danger on purpose. Um, Not that that can't come from women, just typically um, teenage boys could do some damage that we don't want to see. And so our, our family is just uh, teenage girls or infants. And so there's, in those 19 homes that Valley County currently has, there's, there's some stipulations to those. And so as, as we think of 19 homes and 38 kids in, in Valley County, um, there's been 21 kids out of those 38 that have been displaced out of the county. And that's because at the time that they came up for need, there were no homes available. And so we actually have about 20 kids from outside the county that are in this county because it's it, it just the timing how everything works is there'll be an opening here and we don't have any, any kids that need to go to foster care and so one comes from Billings or Wolf Point Point or you know and they, they fill those needs that way. Um, and so I had a discussion uh, a, a month or so ago uh, at CPS and, and I said, you know, if... If I were to do a sermon on this, what could I tell the, the, the church family, the body of Christ, that, that we need in Valley County? Oh, I don't, I don't know, anything would help. That was the response I got, anything, anything. One, two, three, like anything will help. Finally, I got her to, to say a number. I said, just, just pick a number, let me know like, what we need. We need 20 homes. We need 20 homes in Valley County. I'm not trying to set up rules uh, that will lead to salvation. This is not pointing out a clear path. What I want to do is point out a clear path that God sets out for his people. So he says, this is how you get saved. This is who I am. I'm I'm a father to the fatherless. I would like you just to reflect my love. And we say, oh, sweet. Let's do church on Sundays. (laughs) And he's like, well, okay, okay. That's, that's good. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. And he says, I'm a father to the fatherless. I help the foreigners living among you. And he says it over and over and over. And he says, reflect my love. Reflect my love. Reflect my love. We, without Christ, are spiritual orphans. Once we are adopted into his family, he wants us to reflect our love. And so the natural progression that I see is that the church is set up. The gospel does point to us as a church family, as the body of Christ helping. We are made in his image, adopted into his family, loved for all time, forgiven of all sins, patiently bought, painfully bought. And so what I'm asking, if it's not clear is on the back of this. After prayerful consideration, my family feels called to help in the area of adoption or foster care. Long-term, short-term, opening up my home to help children that are neglected Abused, malnourished that need Christ that I forgot about, that oftentimes I have a bad example of what a father's love is, of what a mother's love is. Not everyone in in foster care needs long-term care. There's sometimes they just need a couple days, just a couple months for the parents to recoup, to, to work through. We've all been in those down moments in our life. They just need to work through this moment that they're going through. And then they need forgiveness and grace and the opportunity to show love to their children. But then there's also emergency care or respite care Maybe you, you don't have the opportunity to, to just open up your home to anything, but you want to be there for those that, that have, or you just want to be there you know, just a week. I can do a week at a time. That's all I can do. Respite care is to those that are doing foster care sometimes have to go to Guatemala on mission trips or um, go visit family, and they don't have a vehicle big enough. Our family cannot drive without two vehicles now. And so like if we wanted to go see my grandma in Bozeman, like we've got to take a lot of vehicles and we've got to have some of our foster children in respite care. So we need families for that. And then there's support for families. As long as I've been a foster parent, we've we've had this. The church is built for this. We wanted to take in another foster child a, a, a few years back. It was actually one that had been in our home previously, but we didn't have any room. And so while we were gone, uh, some members of the church came in and, and finished our basement room. They put in an egress window and carpet and, and drywall. We took in a one-year-old, and the church family answered with that by bringing high chairs and spoons and clothes and beds. Because sometimes you just get a call, and they say, hey, can you do this? And you go, uh, As you're listening to the call, you're like, I don't know if we could do this, I need to talk to my wife, I need to pray about it while I'm listening and trying to get all the details of how old this person is, where they come from, what trouble they've been in, how long we need to take care of them, and then all of a sudden, you're just like, yes! And then an hour later, there's someone showing up at your door, and you may not have a bed, or clothes, or enough food. You haven't done your grocery run. And so, support for those families is absolutely important. There's other things, there's YDI, Youth Dynamics here in town. There's a foster closet that just started up uh, a month or so ago. Um, you can help build things. You could, you could tutor. That's a problem we run into as well is, is Lindsay and I aren't the greatest at math. Sometimes just someone making a meal and bringing it to our house is, is some of the best help we could ever receive. I want you to notice that it doesn't say down here, and oftentimes us pastors, we try to do that because we hope that there's some people that might not be as convicted by God's word, and so we always put on the the, the last little option for anything is pray, too. We need prayer. That's not listed as an option. Not because I don't think it's important, it's because I think it's absolutely important, and it's not an option. We need to be praying for the social workers that, that do this day in and day out. We need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for the parents that are losing their children. We need to be praying for their children. We need to be praying for the families that they are temporarily or permanently moved to. We as a church family need to be in prayer and this is not an option on here. That's not, you can't check that and say, see I'm helping. No, you should already be doing that. Not an option. I'm also not saying that every single person in here needs to check one of these. That's between you and God and the Holy Spirit, and we prayed about that before, and so I hope that God is working on you to figure out where you might fit in this. I want to go to James chapter one. If you want some good reading on this, read the entire book of Ephesians. Not all of it is going to relate directly to this, but it will. Um, you can read all of James. You can read all of 1 John. You could just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But here we have uh, chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is a power. it has power to save your souls. Doesn't this sound familiar? Doesn't this sound like what we've already been talking about? But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Mirror, reflection, okay. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that God sets you free, and if you, don't, if you, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. This is harsh, right? Right? I'm going to read that verse one more time. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. When I first read this verse several years ago, the church I was attending and later became a pastor for, I was like, did they they skip over this? We don't do anything to help widows and orphans. Verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. These aren't my words. Please don't be upset with me right now if this is something that you are feeling kind of convicted about. I'm not... I'm, I'm saying this, but I'm not saying this. These are the words from God. This is a plagiarized sermon. One more time. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It'll make my wife feel guilty here. But we binge watched all of Sherlock last week. Started watching House this week. And it's a great time where everybody's gone to bed and we just sit in our bed and and we have the computer there and and we just watch. But when I read this verse and it says, take care of widows and orphans, and yes, we have foster kids in our home, but it says, don't let the world corrupt you. How corrupted are we? How corrupted am I? How corrupted are we? are you. And so you'll see on the insert, the, the front again with the splotches, it says seven days of prayer. This is the action that I, that, that I want us all to be doing. You don't have this option. Put this up on your fridge, and, and tomorrow, we're going to pray for children around the world. If you don't know that there's a, there's a food crisis in Yemen, maybe pray for Yemen. Over 400,000 children in, in the point of starvation in Yemen right now currently. Pray for Guatemala, we go there every year. We look at malnourished orphans and, and forgotten children. Pray, pray for Guatemala. Maybe there's some place that's on your heart, but pray what's on your heart. Pray for children in America, and again, 438,000 children in 2016 were in the foster care system. Has that number grown or shrank? I I don't know, I would assume grown. Pray for children in Montana, 4,000 children in Montana in the foster care system. And I wonder how many of those children are, are unaccounted for? How many of those children has no one called CPS on? How many of those children are in hurting homes but have to stay there because there's no homes to send them to? Pray for children in Valley County. Right now, 38 children in Valley County. In this county, I shared a a, a couple months ago when closing for Seth, one of the CPN's agents shared with me that she had to make a decision to remove either a sexually abused or a physically abused child because she only had one home and two needs. She had to choose. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the weight of this poor woman? Because we've let the government step in and be the love of Christ, be the body of Christ, because we want to go to a building instead of being the church. And she has to say, this one's worse than that one, of course. You had to to tell a kid, no, I'm sorry, your abuse isn't bad enough yet. James tells us, don't be listeners of the word, but be doers of the word. Let's not just hear the word of God, let's live the word of God, let's be the word of God, let's reflect the love of God. I'm not saying that this is the only way. I'm saying this is how God has, has worked on my heart over the last several years to point to several places all over his word of how we can help. I mentioned many government facilities that, that are doing different things where we could step in and show God's love and give them food stamps and provide medical help and visit them in prison and 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 there's many things that you can do. This is where I think the church is built equipped specifically. Glasgow Montana is built and equipped and I think that through us, through families stepping up, not only will we make the difference in, in someone that right now we don't e- they don't even know that they're going to be removed from their home. Right now they don't know. But you're going to sign up to be a foster parent and in a month there's going to be a need And so not only will we help them, but we'll also help the parents that are going through a hard time. We'll help the community around us that will will no longer have this need and they'll go, wait a minute, what is going on here? We'll actually be able to help other counties in our surrounding area, right here from Glasgow, Montana. I'm not saying this so that we can be saviors so that we can be rescuers of our community. Let us not forget that we were spiritual orphans, that we are the saved, that we need a savior, that we need a rescuer. We are merely the hands and feet of God. He is the rescuer, he is the savior we are saved. I'm going to say again, I don't think that everyone should adopt or be a foster parent. I don't think all of us are equipped that way. Actually, I, to be really clear, none of us are. So don't feel bad if you can't open up your home, but what I don't want is what I have done many times while sitting here and listening to Seth preach or listening to sermons on podcasts. And I go, well, that's, that's not me. That I, do, I do this and I do that. I want you to take a hard look at your life, a real look at your life, and see what you can do. See what you can't do. See what only God could do. And this won't be easy. We took in one foster, took in one foster placement. (sighs) Had six substances when he was born. Six substances in his bloodstream when he was born. We moved one of our foster daughters from the Roosevelt a month before it was condemned. there will be arguments, there will be bad grades, there will be lies, there'll be appointments, there'll be life, but if we think that sharing God's love, sharing God's love is quick, easy, and shallow, we're mistaken because we have to take the time, we have to argue to show them forgiveness and grace, to show them how much that they're loved, We all can be a part of this, and, the, and, and God has designed the church to, to do this. And so what I'm going to do is, I'm, I'm going to have two meetings in February. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be the second Sunday and the third Sunday of February, but I'm not exactly sure, because I'm gonna have CPS come and, and be a part of this meeting. The first meeting is for information. And so you can strictly just come and get information on how you can help, where the help is, what it would take to be a foster parent or to volunteer at YDI or to help in any way that you possibly can. I'm going to have people here that will be able to answer those questions. We'll have a a meeting, we'll discuss, and we can give you paperwork then if you'd like. But then the second meeting is to sign up. I want to see this church answer the call. And so I'm pretty sure the third Sunday in February, again, those dates may change, keep you updated, will be to to sign up for foster care. And so there is a huge packet that needs to be filled out. There's fingerprints, there's home inspections. We can schedule all of that in one place. We can make it easy for the social workers in our county to to, to meet with everyone at one time and, and handle it all at the same time. And so what I'd like you to do is to, to, as I said, take this insert, bring it home, and and put this on your fridge or or the, the, the bathroom mirror, laminate it, put it in the shower, you know, wherever you're gonna look at it the most, and do the seven days of prayer with us. Pray about where you can help on the back, and then if you would like to help, put a check mark in one of the circles and put your contact information on the lines right here. One thing I wanna add is that if um, you are already doing this, check what you're already doing, put your name over here and contact information and, and somewhere note on there, I'm already doing this. Because what I would like to do is for everyone that signs up for support for families, I'd like to have a full contact list so people can just contact one person and say, hey, we need a high chair. I can then send out a group email message and we can get a high chair. We can, we can, as the church, come alongside and make meals and do whatever it takes to, to do that. Um, this, this will be as big or as little as our church wants to make it. But I see us moving in a direction, and it's a direction that God's guiding. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up. And I'm going to try my best to kind of summarize here. It wasn't an hour and a half, so. We need to understand that we're sinners and we can only do this with God. That we need to repent and be born of water and spirit so that we may reflect his love. Reflecting his love means that we look like him. All over the Bible, it tells us how to look like him. It's to show love, grace, forgiveness, to take time to go deeper, to keep showing grace, to keep showing forgiveness, to keep showing love, to fight, to argue, and to work through it all, and at the end, show someone that they are loved and you are choosing them. Some of us in here may be foster children right now, or have been. And at one point in your life, you realize that somebody fell out of love with you. And all that means is that person didn't understand love. That's it. That's all that means. It's that everybody on this planet is working to a better understanding of love. And there's somewhere along that line. And without us reflecting God's image, they are not going to see it. Seth will come up and close after the, the band here. Um, we, we will take up these cards next week. Um, and then throughout the weeks after that as well. But ne- next week in specific is, is when the goal to, to get these turned in. If you are already one of these, you can just bring it up to me uh, today if you'd like and, and just give it to me. Um, but next week in the, the offering, I'll have more of these in the, the seat back in case you forget yours in the shower. Thank you.
0: There's this uh, thing at the, uh, in Romans where it talks about how Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is what Israel couldn't be. That Jesus was concerned about those who didn't have a home, who were fatherless, who were widowed, who were orphaned, who were strangers in a strange land. They were foreigners. And God invited Israel to be those people. God said, hey, would you, would you do it? And then Israel couldn't do it, so Jesus had to come. And it says that Jesus was true Israel. But then Jesus says in some red letters in Matthew chapter 16, verses 26, and he says, And what do you benefit then if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We have nothing to do but to save souls. We have nothing to do but to listen to the call of of Jesus and go, I want to be your hands and feet. So this week I pray that you feel the weight of that. And answer God's call. God, you bring people across our paths all the time. But would we be attentive enough to your Holy Spirit to know that it's not easy and it's not going to be quick and it cannot be shallow. That, God, we would spend the time and that we would show grace and forgiveness. And that we would choose every day to to know the grace that has been upon our lives and to give love to those we come across. Stir in our hearts, Lord. your name we pray, amen. Love you all. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.